are back for our second installment of our Island Music uh, Determination and Overdrive podcast. And we are here with Bosco France. He's going to be doing a uh, PRS uh, experience event with us tonight. And we are really happy to have him here. This is actually his second time here at Island Music. Yep. Uh, I think he was a little bit confused at first. Yeah, I, I got to do a few clinics, but I remember I was like, no, they have a stay. Because when I walked in, I was like, what? Where's the state? Because I remember being here because I thought it was really cool. Um, well, first of all, thank you very much for, for coming back and, oh, and doing no, this. I'm glad uh, to do it. Road to the Experience 2018. That's right. That's right. I know you're, you're super busy and you got a lot going on, so we appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to talk to me and then to uh, hang around to do an event here tonight. Um, you're a phenomenal guitar player. Thank you. And uh, it's, it's awesome for me to watch you because you're really good at all the stuff that I'm not. I think I told you last time, like, oh, I'd never even have really played slide guitar before, ever. So to watch you do it effortlessly, uh, to me, is pretty inspiring. It makes me want to go buy a slide. <laughs> there was a lot of clicky-clicky involved in uh, getting better at it, you know, like, uh, you know, hitting the frets and stuff. But I encourage anyone to do it. Uh, I think maybe sometimes having higher action is is an assist on yeah. uh, uh, like so, maybe some people who start playing guitar at first with really bad action on a guitar, maybe they slide should go with the it. slide. Yeah, yeah that helped me out. <laughs> it, it, I couldn't make an F or a B for a long time, but um, no, I, a hybrid picking is another big thing I think helps with the slide um, for muting and stuff. But that, then you get into another thing. But just like to play slide, you can play in open tuning. You can play in standard. Uh, I tended to play everything in standard for a long time because I carried one guitar to most gigs and then the deluxe or an equivalent sure. 112 or 110 amp when I was a kid, you know, be it Crate or whatever oh. now defunct <laughs> company. Hey, that, that G10 chorus is, you know, it, whatever sounds good at the time. Like we were just talking about PV amps earlier and I've done plenty of gigs through a PV and I, you know, got a manageable tone out of them. Um, I think it's what you're used to and what you like. I now am, lucky to work with you know paul uh reed smith and and doug sewell and all the people at prs so i i have good amps now um, <laughs> you're not going back to the crate g series no, you know I, I, <laughs> sometimes on a fly date you never know <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, you know i think that most gigging musicians kind of build their rig to kind of accommodate whatever they get it's it's very hard to be uh you know, a fixed, immobile, immovable object in, the, yeah. in this business. Like, yeah. I want this or I'm not playing. Guess it you ain't playing. Like that. yeah. That's right. You're only playing at your house, I think, yeah. if you have that attitude. I want a four-channel Marshall yeah, I think with, eight, with eight cabinets, you know. <laughs> um, I like a combo amp you know, normally or a small amp. I will say that playing outside, I have discovered the awesomeness of, you know, a four-whatever cabinet. Yeah. Um, just sounds so much fuller and to push air, so much more air. Um, yep. I, you know playing a lot of small dates as i did growing up and playing like most people that playing a band at a legion and ambits a vfw an elks yeah. an owl uh, any of those animals yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> deer Club. hunters yep. Cut. Yep. yeah <laughs> um they, they don't want a lot of loud volume and you want to sound good and sometimes to play at a low volume and not have any overdrive or drive uh -huh. uh, it, it's hard and so i like having a small amp and they they make it so that you can you know hit a button and kind of get a saturated state now and that, that's cool for small small thing i did that the other night but on a real stage i want real tubes and yeah i haven't become an amp modeling guy yet it scares me they don't look like amps well, i think the if they made it look like an amp now, it might it is unbelievable like that the uh one thing that's been really big at our store this year has been the big floorboard processors. Uh, Helix. Like, the Helix is a humongous. I mean, that is such an awesome tool for a gigging musician. For, for you to be able to fly in with that in a gig bag and a guitar and have all that palette of tone and different amps and different effects and then be able to just send lines directly to a monitor the, and directly to the board. It's amazing. It, it, the thing is, is a lot of these small dates we did, we never have a sound man or anything. It would be us like at the board with... Sure, you're reaching yeah, so over we between would be a, in charge of that too, yeah. you know. And the other thing I've seen a lot of bands doing, and, and smaller bands and bigger bands, they buy these um, wireless mixers now that you can control from a phone or oh, an sure. iPad. Oh, sure, yeah. Plug yeah. everything in and then run um, 
ear sins and yep. they're all using uh in ears and uh it's like man that for for a band that wants to tour and doesn't have a lot of money if you could throw a couple of those you know or one of those in 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 the van and a, you know a modeler and the drum kit being the biggest yeah the thing you know in a small bass name you can go play a lot of places if they carry pa like coming up here obviously playing a music store we didn't have to bring any gear i'm going to use some amps you guys have, some amps that the rep has. Um, oh, I hate to tell you, you're using the Crate G10 today. <laughs> hey, you man, <laughs> no, I got I got a couple pedals over there that'll make it sound. <laughs> yeah. They'll do all right. Well, that's uh, the other thing too is in today's world, pedals have come so far that if you just build yourself a pretty good pedal board, that almost any amp that has an okay clean channel, you can just come in and just go right into it, and all your tone is right there. Agree, you know? I definitely agree that a lot of these. Uh, a lot of companies make great pedals. I didn't use a whole lot of pedals ever. I, I used one, and my buddy, he, he, in this day and age, we usually communicate through social media. And I, I, someone asked me a question about what pedals I was using now, and he asked, "Did I still have the baby blue one that would blow the roof off of the place?" That's all he remembered was me having <laughs> one pedal. One baby blue pedal. Yeah, it was a full drive. <laughs> one of the first kind of full drives. I got it like 20 years ago after seeing a friend of mine play with one. And I thought, well, I want to use that. And so I used that. And that was my introduction to pedals. And then I remember when I saw the, uh, I never had one, but all the Line 6 stuff that everyone had that were. Oh, yeah. Everybody, it seemed like everybody in Nashville had that when I was down there. They yeah. had the red, the green, the blue. The green one was such a, that, that's the delay, I yeah. think. And that one was such a huge staple for a long time, you know. And uh, it's still a really good pedal, I think, um to me, those things uh, make me nervous a little bit because there's a lot of buttons and knobs and stuff, and, and they all do different, Yeah, you know what I mean? They're like dual-function buttons. Well, I don't know if I remember the rat gear when everybody was trading in decent amps for rat gear, oh, like sure. 80 AMP1s. Yep. Yep. Rocktron had a lot of cool yeah, things. That, well, that's kind of what makes me leery of making the switch now is not that I don't want to um, – I like my tube amps. I learned to work on tube amps. I build my own amps. Um so I know, you know, when I get something like I need to run through that side or right. there, there's this much stuff going through that circuit. And, and I don't like anything in, in the signal chain, which is why I was so um, hesitant to use a bunch of pedals. And then playing in a trio, um, there, you know, there's certain things. I don't swap guitars like I don't play a Fender Strat because we're doing two Hendrix songs and sure. a night or because I'm playing an Almond Brothers song, play less ball. I've always been a PRS guy. There was a couple years where I won a contest. Um, I was going to ask you about that. You, you, uh, kind of one of the big things on your resume, uh, from me as the outside looking in, just kind of reading about you to get ready for this interview was winning the King of the Blues contest. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. And then the, the guitar, from um, that. To be honest, man, I'd entered it a couple of times uh, for different reasons. One time, I, you know, I saw that they were giving some gear away, and I thought, man, it might be nice to get some gear. And I made it to the <laughs> regional, and then I, I got beat by a very, very good guitar player who, uh, you know, I grew up watching him play, and I liked that he probably should have won the whole thing um, with that year. And then uh, so there was – I kind of decided, I was like, eh, I don't know if contests are the thing for me, but – I, my band was playing and I needed a mic and the prize for winning in store that night was a, a 57. So it's like, Oh, nice. Okay. So I'm going to enter this Wednesday and go get a mic so I could play. So I did. And, uh, maybe it was a little full of my I just, it's a small area. I thought I could win one night, you know, to sure. get to, so I, I won that night and got a mic and then debated on going back. And I'm like, nah, I would, you know, you entered the contest, finish it out. And, uh, ended up, you know, I, I won, and there were some very good guitar players. And I don't know how you distinguish who's, who wins. I I had a good night that night. I got the crowd into it, if that's what, how they, you know, Judge, do that yeah. thing. So that that worked out a whole lot. And um, from that, I there was a documentary that's been on PBS called Shoeless Blues, which is really <laughs> kind of absurd to me that there's – but it's just about me being from a small place, and my two buddies, Ben Wohler and Alex Morgan, who uh, Alex is a kind of big rock photographer and a very big rock photographer in the metal scene, but um, this was his first foray into a film, and Ben's done a couple films, and they were like, we got some cameras, let's 
try it out. something, sure. And they did, and we made two parts. Um, one of it was, you know, once you won the King of the Blues, Battle of the Blues, they, they changed the name of it not to be sexist, I believe, okay. uh, to attract more female contestants. Um, so once they um, that happened, the prize was a deal with Gibson, and I never played Gibson, but – I'd won a Gibson in that process, and I thought it's only good business to play the guitar, the sponsor. Maybe it is or not. I just sure, and that seems like a noble thing yeah. to do, you know. Yeah, so I, I did, and and I did all right. And to be honest, man, on the video clips, I, I'm not happy with the way it sounds. I wasn't sure how the knobs even worked on that thing. I feel really? like a dipstick saying that. No, I never, I never played Les Pauls. They were like kind of an unobtainable thing where we were at. And when you got one, everyone had the horror story about their kid walking by a guitar stand and breaking it. Yeah, because all of us guys angle, had yeah. kids, and yeah. it was just one of those things. And then when I got one, man, I remember I'd almost get into fights and bars when people got close to it. Get away from my guitar! Yeah, yeah, it made me really, it made me really a non-approachable dude. Um, so I had to swap. No, I, but I, I've had my green CE since 1997. I okay. Um, I wanted a PRS the first time I saw him. I'm pretty sure the first time I saw him was in an Aerosmith video. Brad Whitford was playing one in the video. Yeah, because he was, he was always early on kind of catching cool guitars before they hit mainstream. I remember seeing him play a Music Man Axis before anybody else kind of really yeah. grabbed He always had a climb on his board before yeah. anybody. That, yeah. yeah, no, it's kind of... Um, I've gotten to do some stuff with this guy, Derek St. Holmes, just jams and gigs and stuff, and he's in a band with him, and I always like, hey, man, can you tell me some Brad Whitford stories? Yeah. Like, I could, but you're a little young. You know, it always he's, makes me feel good when he says that. He, he's, uh, you know, people always immediately think of Joe Perry. Not me. When they, when they you know, mention Aerosmith, but Brad Whitford is, is such a staple of that band and his rhythm guitar parts and his tone. Uh, you know, he, he might not be the guy in the limelight all the time like Joe Perry is, but man, did he make that band. I know? saw him live one, one time and he carried him that night. I mean, like he carried him. Joe Perry, of course, he looked cool. And it was before, you know, he was, he looked a lot like Johnny Depp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, it was, I think, in the late 90s, I saw them in a band called Monster Magnet. And the night before... Monster Magnet. I've never heard that name since the 90s. That's <laughs> and uh, I saw those guys together. But the night before, I went to a clinic at a, like a big box music store. This is back, you know, 20, maybe longer than that. Like when there was like a Mar it was it Mars, Mars music. Okay. Yeah, and it was it a Hollywood a music time. or yeah. something. Okay. It was at one of those places and, uh, in like Hendersonville. And they were there. And everyone just kept asking Joe Perry questions. And, you know, like, I just thought, wow. And then I went and saw them the next night. And Brad, w I mean, I was center stage down front at Starwood, which anybody's, you know, from or been to Nashville, it's kind of a staple. It was. Okay. Uh, to see a band. It was a good outdoor venue. And, uh, man, he just. That was the night I was like, yeah, that's the guitar player. And I, no, <laughs> no disrespect, but for watching them that night, man. And,. You know, maybe uh, they it was a thing where they passed the ball to each other and for different periods, you know, like sure. somebody takes over. But he was definitely the guy driving the boat that night. Um, and <laughs> cool uh, I just hear. really dug it. Um, but you see some bands like that. I've seen um, the Almond Brothers several times throughout my life. And at different points, it might seem like, well, Greg's in charge of the band tonight. Or like, it may feel like Warren's having the night. Or Derek always seemed to be having the night, you know. Yeah. Always seems to be having the night. Ah, Derek Drugs, you're too good. <laughs> so tell me how you switched from your Gibson that you won in the contest to how you got into it, it was actually, your first PRS guitar. Um, the, well, I was, my Green Sea is a 97. I bought it in 97. I'd always okay. been a PRS guy. And then when I went to the contest, I wanted to play a Gibson guitar. Even the picture they used to me is playing my blue CE. <laughs> um, but the... Uh, the green I got the green one in '97, and we parted ways in 2005. I got a divorce, and I pawned the guitar with every intention of getting it back, and I lost it for really for about. I got it back in 2012, and all because of that phone number you can see scrawled in there. Okay. Um, he still has the same phone number. My buddy Mike, we were on a crew bus together with a country band, Brooks and Dunn. I was a lighting guy, and he was the video guy. Wow, that's cool. Man, you've had a really interesting I've, life. <laughs> I, I, I'm doing a gig in Washington in a few weeks in D.C. at this big national barbecue cook-off, and uh, I got a call from a buddy, and he was like, man, there's got to be 
two guys using your name or something because you and there's a guy playing Washington, D.C., and I'm running lights for him. The guy that was my boss on Brooks and Dunn, you know. I was like, no, that's me. That's really me, yeah. Yeah, so you were my boss, and now kind of I'm your boss. Do not put any green lights on me. Just have some weird caveat. No spots during any song that is an odd or even number. Now, I've got to do a lot of stuff. I tried to stay involved in music as much as I could, and um, – I met Paul Reed Smith getting to how I switched back. Um, I was playing clubs, and the Les Paul neck shape hurt my hand. Uh, if you grew up playing them, you know, you grew up playing them. But I grew up playing the wide, fat neck. We were talking about that earlier. <laughs> Love them. Love to see them make a return. Hint, um, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> Will it come back? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Are they listening? Let's hope so. Uh, but I, I was like that neck shape. And so when I was doing club gigs that weren't as big, I didn't think the artist rep would mind or know, kind of. <laughs> and they did, and they didn't know who I was. Yeah. Um, and Gibson's a very historic company, and I hope that things work out because I don't think it's good for any guitar maker to go under. But I do think it is time for someone some to, changes. to control yeah. some quality. And, again, I play, that. I was booked at a club by Henry back when there was the Gibson Cafe uh, – met his son they're nice people just you know they saw the business going one way and business went another i guess you know yeah, I don't, maybe so i couldn't run a company like that you know i'm I, sure it, it requires a totally different skill set and different mindset and, well they uh, just acquired so many brands and i feel like companies do that when they get big it's just like well you make enough money why aren't you happy with the numbers of employees you have and being successful right you know right or the and goal stable. is stable. Why does it always have to be more, 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 more? Or they want to get so big so they can sell to a bigger brand, like have a pedal company get so big. Or I have a, a friend that makes amps, and his goal is to get picked up, and I, I think it's going to happen, you know. Um, but the, I met Paul in a parking lot at a clinic. I was just there talking, I was, and um, went up and tried to ask him a question and kind of got blown off. And then I asked <laughs> one during the event, and – Probably wished I was blown off. Uh, <laughs> but I met Paul Miles and Emil Wurstler there and uh, kind of forged uh, a bomb with Paul, and Emil and I became friends. Emil was in a, a couple of huge bands that toured Ozfest and things like that, and he was okay. pretty much the sole writer and guitar player with Chimera and Dath or Dath. I I know someone's going to comment on something. I'm sorry. That's all right. We... But Emil is a phenomenal guitar player. He'll be at the uh, experience this weekend. Okay. And um, he knew the guy that did the documentary, Alex, that I said was big in the you know, metal photography and stuff. He'd done album covers. and So he had seen the documentary, had passed my info on to Paul and Bev and Rich. And that's how um, a couple years ago I started, uh, I did the experience. And that was my first real meeting with Paul. And a month later, I was recording at his house. And uh, wow. he's came and stayed at my house. And I go stay at his house. I've recorded up there twice. Um, okay. We play a lot together. We we do the Dallas Guitar Show the last couple years. We'll play at the Experience together. Um, I I tried to see if he was busy this week. I'm like, hey, man, you want to pull a drive by to the <laughs> clinic? But uh, the experience going on and everything, he's super busy oh, this sure. week with rehearsals. This is his and, Super Bowl pretty yeah, much. This, yeah, this is NAM for PRS. Yeah. I think they're smart. They do it there too, but I think it's smart for them to have an event that you can just hang out at. Um, yeah. NAM is just – it's it's not what it, I think, once was, and now people go just to go that – aren't involved in music and it makes it hard to talk to anybody about a that's, product that's yeah unless you go on thursday yeah you're preaching to the choir so i think uh at this point in my life i've gone to maybe 20 nam shows <sighs> winter nams in a, in a row almost i think i missed maybe one year and uh each year the attendance has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and it looks like there's a lot going on but basically what's happening is People that do not care about the industry or care about the products or care about music are being let in and it's overcrowded for a guy like me that my whole mission is I fly all the way across the country so I can bring cool stuff back to my store and, and my customer base and my community. And a lot of times you can't even get close to the booth. You can't see the products. You can't 
talk to anybody. Yeah, and if you're not there it, on Thursday, it's it's a wash. Yeah, and and even being there on Thursday, now it's so crowded. There's so much going on. That, it's like uh, Comic Con for guitars. Yeah, you yeah, know, and, it's and, it's an event. Uh, and now I think other places have, you know, events like this in their neighborhood because you can you can get more people in your neighborhood that that's your customer base, like right, you're saying, and right. kind of say, do you like these things? Do you not like these yeah. things? And, and and you can talk to somebody, and it's not. I mean, Nam now is like a crazy wall of noise. When you leave there, if you're there all week, if you so as you go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, by the time you leave Sunday, you have like noise exhaustion. It's like a cacophony of weird. Oh, your feet, man! Noise. Don't wear new shoes to Nam. Well, most like of the time that. you don't wear shoes. So do well, you, do I, you go well, barefooted to Nam. Man, I wore them the year. <laughs> <laughs> they made me wear shoes in the building. <laughs> you had to wear them on a the bus out there. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> so like uh, to get on the tram, but I found that at the first year, and then I had these shoes that looked like feet. Oddly enough, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I had like my dress shoes from church, and I wore them out there. And they, man, yeah, my your feet, feet were probably killing you. Yeah, you my, gotta wear comfortable. There's like four or five of us, and my buddy had just got new shoes, and he was walking around like, "Oh no, I'll catch up." <laughs> yeah, hey, with I'm all this goodie bags, here, like yeah. just grabbing picks, like I'll make it. <laughs> I'm getting some picks in this can opener, and maybe this shirt. No, no that shirt's not free. I don't want it. You know, because you walk through there, and that's kind of the thing. You know, every, like oh, uh, yeah, want to get free cool stuff. Yeah, stickers. Have something to say you whatever. came back with, and then like right. if you flew out there on a plane, by the last day you're like, eh, I don't you, need all this. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'll leave this for the yeah. Here's six bucks for the maid, and leave this, and you know there we we went out there at a time when a lot of things became legal. And uh, we had to leave more than a tip for the maid because you can't get on planes with some things. I don't know if you can put that on the uh, podcast yeah, or sure not. I'm sure you can. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> it's there's totally there's no rules here. Yeah, it's totally legal out there. But yeah, no, it's <laughs> California. Yeah, California was a good time. It's fun they have it out there. But like, um, you know, Nam and Nashville, they had it a couple times, and they had it. Yeah, I remember they had it one big show. year. It was kind of big. They had it at the convention center. I thought, well, this isn't too bad because. If you got tired of it, you could walk feet away and go see a live band. Oh, there's so many other cool things to do. Yeah. That's the thing is, is there's so many awesome places to eat on every street corner. There's some phenomenal yeah. band that yeah. you never even heard of that you don't know that you're. Oh wow, yeah, this guy's I, a great guitar player. And all those guys, player. you know, like uh, if you follow a lot of those, Guthrie Trap, uh, Daniel Donato, uh, Red Volcart, um, JD Samo, I, and I know I'm leaving other ones. I'm leaving out. Uh, uh, Brent Mason. Uh, yeah, he's a great guitar player. Right? Yeah. The, all those guys play with this one guy named Don Kelly. Okay. The Don Kelly band. He plays at Robert's Western World, downtown Nashville, and he just somehow or another finds the best guitar players in the world. We never worked together, oddly uh, enough. No. Well, maybe he'll be listening, and <laughs> yeah, you will. Yeah. So now nah, he knew me then. He, <laughs> <laughs> he would call. <laughs> he would have called. He had my number. I gave it to him twice. So you just rattled off like a dozen really great guitar players. What do you currently listen to now? Like, and, and I don't mean like who are your influences. Obviously, I'll, we, we'd be interested in knowing that too. But who, who like when you drove here today, you what know, did you listen it's to so, on it's the It's so funny, man. We, I, um, I have satellite radio, and uh, – it there's so many choices that sometimes it's hard, but a lot of times we always go back to the classic rock or the classic rewind. But okay. on the way up, man, Little Steven's Underground Garage. Really? Because okay. like every fifth song was Motown. Uh, every fourth song was like MC5 or something kind of put Stooge, you know? Okay. Just a mix. Just because, man, the last couple of years, um, it's been a real blessing to – you know, honestly be in the PRS family. I can't stress that enough. And some of the things I've gotten to do, just got back from Texas and I watched Eric Johnson play Avia Musicom in its entirety right after we got off stage. We just played, got and off he stage. Comes up and plays he comes up and plays that. And then as soon entirety. as he gets done, we go back up to start the Almond Brother tribute. You know, so like, wow. I can say that I, you know, can't say I opened, can't say I closed, but I could, but no. <laughs> but I did stand right there where he was playing and watch him play and, like, see his amp and his pedal board. And if you'd have told me when I was a kid watching Austin City Limits, you That know, you would that, be part yeah, of even, something like that. It's yeah, an awesome and so, feeling. man, I just walked backstage afterwards, and he came off the ramp, and he walked by, and he was like, oh, nice set. I saw you guys play. Nice slide. And, man, I, I was like, did I, I really said this, and I felt like a, a dummy later. I was like, did you really watch us play? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and Paul just looked at me like, 
wrap it up you know because him and paul obviously paul knows everybody and it seems like the people that really care about sound and audio like eric johnson's notorious about oh yeah certain things paul is very much like he's like that too yeah and uh they gravitate towards each other and when they really like hunker down on a bone and start talking you know business i'm out of the loop man i my i don't know if my ears aren't that good or i don't have the vocab to Minor definitely express not, yeah. like what they're saying, but they're and it's like, man, yeah, not once did they say the word transparent. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like, I find the high end fizzy, and I kind of know what that means. You know, like I kind of understand that better than someone saying this pedal does nothing. Yeah, <laughs> this pedal makes my guitar amp really fuzzy. Well, I, I say like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it's good enough for what. That's how yeah. I do it. It's like for me, always, it's like. You play a little bit, you just listen. It's like, all right, that's good enough. I can I can roll with that. But Paul, we had an outside event a couple years ago, and Paul's band played. And uh, he was the headliner or right before the headliner, something like that. It's and very bands particular all day. about yeah. sound. So we had a uh, nice stage set up. Uh, it was under a big tent, uh, like an outside wedding tent kind mm-hmm. of thing. And we had a nice pearl drum set up there, and we had this carpet across the stage. So you would hide all the cables under it and everything. People didn't slip or whatever. And uh, so he gets up there, and he plays a couple notes, and uh, all of a sudden he's yelling for the guy running the stage. And I'm kind of watching from afar, like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. Maybe he needs something more in his monitor or whatever. No, he's motioning for the guy to take the front drum head or the bass drum off and peel the carpet up. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's he doing? He's destroying the stage. What is he doing? And uh, I just remember him kind of, I said, well, what's going on? You know, everything okay? He says, uh, well, I use my ears for a living. I can hear that this isn't the way that I want it to sound. And you know what? I said, all right, you go ahead and take the carpet up and take that bass drum head off and and, uh, whatever. But it was amazing because I, even after they did that, so well, it sounds okay. Sounds good enough, you know. It's, but I couldn't tell. It's there's been a couple things where I was like, ah, I can't hear a difference, and I listened back in the studio, and I'm like, I can definitely hear the difference. Like there was one day we were recording. And the thing about Paul is too, man. Paul will get his hands dirty. Like he will take something apart in a second. Yeah. And you know, ask you about it later. Mm. Um, but uh, up at the studio, there um, a couple different amps he has, a couple different um pedals you know he has a very nice collection of, of gear but paul's things microphones he was like they're like ears you know and each ear human ear is a little different that's why you hear things different and we had a whole talk about that and i preferred one mic for my voice uh, you know and i really listened and at first man he really pushed me he's like no that's not the one your voice sounds good i had to fight him <laughs> about it and he was like see now you know what your voice sounds good in though don't you it's like you listened uh-huh. and it, it, it really made me aware of that too I, I, sometimes maybe he's doing it to see if people are going to pay attention or, or do what he needs them to do later. You know, like maybe it's like take all the M&Ms out of the bowl, the brown ones. Yeah, and if they saw that noticed, was done, yeah, then everything's going to be a good okay. night. Yeah, yeah. If not, then the points overhead are probably hanging funny and the sound's going to be weird. Yeah. And, um, and he's a smart guy, man. It's, uh, you know, like it's been, like I was saying, a real blessing. But some of the guitar players that I get to play with Sonny Landreth, I lay that directly at his feet for introducing me to Jimmy Wallace. And then I met Sonny under a tree, I shook hands with him, and he just looked at me like, I was like, I'm a big fan, you know, because I, I am, man. I'm I'm the I'm the hillbilly abroad. I'm the luckiest, you know, dude out of Kentucky, you know. Um, That's to what get I always to say. Yeah, is I, is I'm, I'm, uh, so this, like doing this, and especially what I do for a living and all the cool scenarios that I've been in, I was always just a fan of music and guitar playing. Like, I don't know anything about anything. I'm not as special, you know. I just was lucky to, to kind of uh, get into a cool industry and uh, find something that I really like and that I'm really excited about. And uh, I'm just a fan. So I always think I'm, like, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. To be able to do I, I, I do, too. And, um, you know, a lot of it's my age or, you know, like having some of the jobs I have working in a coal mine. That's a fun one. Let's, <laughs> let's get on a shuttle car and ride down six inches from hell. Um <laughs> You know, that kind of stuff, or I had odd jobs, or anything to stay in music. And the the thing is, is like, had I not kept my chops up or been prepared when I met Paul to, you know, deliver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
the contest is awesome, but I mean, I equate it to like winning American Idol. People are like, well, he ain't no good. People voted on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you get a lot of, you read the comments. I even went back one day and was in the right kind of mood and answered them all. And I was like, you know what? You're totally right. From 2.30 to three minutes, I'm just total shit. You know, yeah. you're right. I'm <laughs> awful. I didn't even know why I started playing guitar. And then they'll do right back. And like, I'm sorry. No, it wasn't that bad. Like, <laughs> You know, I don't even know why I started playing. Yeah, so I, I did. I really do. You know, it's like I understand. I I have probably, when YouTube first came out, probably left a couple comments like, ah, oh, nice lick. I liked it better when this guy played it. Oh. Now that I have to try to be creative, now that I'm not just playing other people's songs and that there's people that want to hear my songs, like I never thought anyone would want to hear anything I did. So I played other people's songs. And now people are like, that's great, but what do you do? Yeah. What do you sound yeah. like? And, uh, the benefit to all the styles and all the weird things about my guitar playing, playing, you know, old style country or chicken picking or slide or even, you know, sweet picking or I'm into all that as a guitar player. Am I good at it? No. But having a little bit of it in my arsenal at all times kind of makes me makes me feel like I have a niche. Sure, um, and you have a bigger vocabulary yeah. to, to use and to express yourself and to, and to fit into different uh, genres and, and different playing scenarios. Well, you know, and, like as guitar players, we can get very clinical and talk, well, you know those uh, five-note pentatonic licks. And, and if you play guitar, you do. I'm just saying, I play the pentatonic notes, I'll play five notes over and over. And we all know what that sounds like, you know. Um, Eric Johnson was such a, when he hit the scene, man, he just changed guitar playing. He was like Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen changed the way people play guitar. Absolutely. Ing Van Malmsteen, like him or not, yeah. changed the way people play guitar. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are just now catching up to that. And you, it's great that people do. I'm guilty of, you know, I'll, you know, you know, pulling that lick out and something. But it's definitely an homage or nod to Eric Johnson played that in Cliffs of Dover. Sure. You know, I don't know where he. Got the riff. I know he learned a lot of stuff from piano. I, I don't know. Don't care. It's Eric Johnson to me. Yeah. But there are other guitar players now that because we're so influenced that, man, we can lean heavily on that lick. I've seen videos of me where I'm like, man, I'm going into the Johnson zone. Yeah, yeah. And it's just because you're comfortable with it and you've done it so much. I know. And- I, I wasn't. I worked on it. I actually watched these YouTube videos a few years ago about forward slant picking and backward slant picking. I don't even know and, what that is. Yeah. Well, instead of like flat picking like this, if you take a, a, a string and put it, you know, the pick in between there, then I've changed the distance. It's uh-huh. now closer to the E and the A as where if I was flat picking. Okay. So the other thing I think about, and this goes like an economy picking thing, if I play an even number of notes on a string and I start on the downstroke, I'm going to end up away from the next string if I want right. to play a... Um, if descending you're doing run, yeah. yeah, okay. So, like, if I know that and I'm going to play two notes on the top string, then I'll try to play a three-note run on the next or a one so I, can, so I can get around the strings easier. Because um, I alternate pick. Um, well, this is like an alternate. You know, instead of sweeping. Right. Um, but I want to be able to do both of those things. Um, so I, I practice that kind of stuff. And then we were talking about the kind of pentatonic, you know, yeah. you know, one, two, three, four, five. And you know, there was like, that's, uh, I probably cover a lot of that in this thing we're doing at the experience. It's called picking and sliding. But if you can count the groupings, that's, that's what a lot of it is, is sure, it's just do those fast of, licks. Of it's like yeah. learning a scale. And then, once you learn it, man, it's like, man, I sound really clinical. Now I have to, you know, kind of cleanse my playing of this and make it more musical again. And Right, and add some vibrato and, and yeah, bends and, bends and slurs and, and stuff to make you it playing sound with, real. Man, I played with 11 guitar players on stage, it looked like. I just got the video of it. Oh, man. And everyone's <laughs> just, and the one thing you can hear is when people would go. Right, because it stands out, yeah. Because it's not, you know. Bees buzzing, you know, like playing every note. Oh, that's a cool little exercise. That's yeah. a really cool exercise. Yeah, I, I, there's a couple of them. I like doing this one. This is a good one. This I uh, got out of a Steve I magazine. I know someone's going to be like, oh, so super. I did uh, it when I was a kid. Is this a 10 hour practice? Yeah, I think the yep. one, two, three, four, two, three, four, yep. one. Yep. 
that's a 10 hour or eight hour whatever it was at the time yeah just practice just a cool practice thing was, yeah and I, you know i tried to play paul gilbert stuff and sucked at it because i could never get any all those videos did you ever have the videos no no I, on youtube i watched some of them now and i still can't get it oh you know what God, i mean it's, it's so hard I, yeah. I remember sitting there for hours and hours yeah. with the little triplet you know yeah it's his thing man thing. you know i i got you know so and yeah, it's it so did, fast and so perfect yeah. and it's just like oh my god i'm never but, gonna get that but that's his you know like yeah. the ingvay stuff like once you learn the lick and black star and you got it like could play it a couple times it's like all right, that's good enough. Let's yeah. go back to, to playing something easier now. I did that the uh, other day. Well, uh, about a year ago, I got a delay pedal, like I was saying. I was like, someone told me Nuno Betancourt used a delay pedal on that Fly to the Bee song. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that when yeah. I was a kid. I tried to learn. <laughs> but I didn't know he had a delay pedal. Yeah. So when you're actually playing, it's like. Yeah, it's nowhere near as hard. But it sounds so awesome. Yeah, you but know? that's the speed. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe I want to delay. Um, but like some of that stuff you don't think about when you're a kid or like now when I do you remember the Crossroads thing. Oh, I spent so long learning that. Yeah. But like playing that with delay now. Yeah. It's like, oh, now that I know Nuno did that. Yeah. It really fills it out. And yeah. I freak kinda... the kids in the neighborhood out. <laughs> my son's 14 and all his little skateboard buddies like play guitar and he's like a punk rock drummer. But I'll be like, hey, kids, check this out. And they'll walk out like, oh my God, he's a wizard. <laughs> I'm like, oh, get a, get a delay pedal. So do you jam with your son? Yeah. 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 I try to get, uh, for the last two years, uh, our drummers lived in the house. I have a program called Adopt a Bandmate. Um, oh, that's a good program. Yeah, no, it's practice really easy. John's from up here in Maryland. He's actually, I met him at the experience um, two years ago, and Paul's like, I heard you don't have a drummer. I'm like, I don't. He goes, I got a drummer. I'm like, in Kentucky? He goes, he can well, be. Well, here's the thing, yeah. He can be. <laughs> so um, I didn't know it at the time, but John is, uh, John, Paul is married to John's mom, Paige. It's his stepson, but, you know, John's okay. older, so. Okay. Uh, but John's lived with me for the, like the last two years. So we've had a steady diet of good vinyl and, oh, you know, cause he's a, he's a younger guy. And I'm like, have you ever heard these Beatles albums? He, you know, from a drummer standpoint, it might not be something you listen to unless you knew the power of Ringo. Right. You sure. know, like he's the, he's the Beatles to me. Like he's the happiest. Any live video I've ever seen of that dude just makes me smile. Like, oh, yeah, because he's he's having the time of his life. He's so yeah. happy. He's just playing. Yeah, you know, whether Bernard Purdy played on it or it not. doesn't matter, yeah. yeah. I, I don't believe all that stuff. <laughs> I don't know. But it's, it makes good stories. It makes good conspiracy theories to go in a rabbit hole in on oh, YouTube. Oh, there's tons of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many. You know? oh, yeah, link this video to that, Bernard Purdy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> link it to anything we talked about, and we'll get lots of views. So what are some of your practice routines? What, what do you do to, to keep your chops up and, and to... You know, it's it's hard because I have four kids. The oldest, 14. Youngest just started walking. She's one. Wow. Uh, my wife's a therapist. Um, she does a lot of good work with uh, children with autism and disabilities. My sister has a disability, and so it's kind of where my heart lies. So yeah. I keep the kids um, usually like a Monday through Thursday, and then... I try to play in an area we can get to, you know, summer I go out and do festivals, this type stuff, yeah. you know, the, and uh, try to, um, when we do Washington, my son's going to come up and we're going to go skate the Capitol together. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hope I don't break anything, <laughs> yeah. but I, I try to, uh, look at, you know, I can't lie, man. I get discouraged a lot with, uh, Instagram and YouTube oh, and some of these does. young players. Yeah. I just did a gig with this guy named Justice West, who's, People will know him because he was a Vince Gill contest winner and uh, uh, plays with Snoop Dogg. But, man, I've been following that guy on Instagram, and every time I see him play guitar, I want to cut my hands off. <laughs> I cannot stand this kid. And so I'll watch him do some things, and maybe like right now I'd love to learn some like maybe the Eric Walls kind of gospel kind of. Okay. Those voices. I it kind of worked on. Um, I never do anything about jazz. I've been teaching myself hardcore theory about two years ago. I started playing piano. I mean, I'm just a good old boy that, you know, learned. Yeah, sure. 
you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, I'd, you know, I'd hear a cool lick, wouldn't try to figure it out. And okay. I got into some metal guitar players, even though I'm from Travis country. Yeah. Um, I'm just fascinated by that kind of guitar playing. That's that's another style that I've never attempted. Or the, never it's it's kind of different. In that, that one, you gotta, you know, you gotta. And and you get from that, you can kind of the. You know, like heel blues. Yeah. You know, where you kind of got that kind of Jimmy Reed. Yeah. Jimmy Reed's a little more electric, but uh, early Muddy Water stuff, um, having that kind of that bass. And, and even the chord shapes that you use, if you use like a C chord shape, then you got. That's a good starting point, probably. Yeah, or play something in A, and then play your... Okay, so you're using your... A, D, and E. Okay. A. A. All right, all right, all right. Now you're discouraging. <laughs> no, well, I mean, all, all those licks are, you know, like I think we all know the. the sure. Or maybe we know them. <laughs> Some of us do. Yeah, yeah. Not, not discouraging. You know. <laughs> but I do um, uh, hybrid picking, uh, a real good exercise. Make a G chord. Okay. Hold your pick with these. And now I'm going to use my, um, you know, your three. Stu- well, I don't know if the three stooges use those. I'm going to use my uh, middle and my uh, ring finger. And I'm gonna grab the G and the D string. Okay. And that your hand falls like that naturally. So I play the. Okay. And then I'll close um, on the D string on the second fret so the D will become an E. So, so if you play it slow, you go your bass string, then your two, then your bass. Close. Got it. Bass. So you alternate between those two. Man, like when you're sitting around, when I was a kid, I mean, I'd watch Jeopardy, you know. (laughs) I'd watch that, but I'd, uh, and you know, like I'm watching Double Jeopardy. Yep. And there's your C. So you'll walk the, you'll, you'll drop your um the E note out of the C to play on the G string. Do the D. Okay. And, and so that like uh there's a real big band, Greg Martin and uh the Kentucky Headhunters, huge band. They had a song called Dumas Walker. Yeah. Okay. Big song. And I was like, man, because if I play G like Chuck Berry G all night, man, because <laughs> I wear my guitar up high. I don't, there's no shame that, in it. Yeah. I, I don't care. It may be cool to wear it low, um, but I want everyone to see my junk. No. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't stand, uh, I'm stuffing sausages. Um, I can't stand not to be able to access the neck on the guitar. Sure. And, and I mean, that's, that's why I like the, the PRS shape. That's why I fell in love with it, man. You can get, you can slam all the way down to yeah. reach the volume knob, yeah. you know. Yeah, all the way. Yeah. Um, so th- th- those are the things I really and I like this shape. I'm that I'm that way. But um, yeah, man, I I don't know. I just <laughs> sporadic in everything I do. Just like this interview, like if the by practice regimen, I might get to practice something a little bit. Um, I was practicing a Danny Gatton picking exercise the other day. You know, yeah, he's a local boy. Where you okay. do the rake down, you do five. Because you got to do five because that's the odd number to get you down if you start on a down. Right. Yep. 
and that's the easiest way to gain speed and momentum. Yeah, I, you know, a, a lot of guys know the three note per strings is, you know, go because we were starting on pentatonics, and I think a lot of us would play that like a pentatonic thing that was sure and connect the boxes, but see ya. And getting Paul Gilbert speed. Well, you well in pentatonic <laughs> yeah, land, you yeah, know. But yeah. and you can the other thing you can change pentatonics. Like here's a pentatonic in A. You know, so if you wanna, I just change that note. You change nice. one note in a pen. Yeah. You know, kind of make it. Try to not sound so, you know, I just got like a master class from Red Volkart and uh, Greg uh, Koch. Uh, Koch. <laughs> Koch. Um, just super nice guys, super he good is. players. He's been here before, yeah. Seems like all the really great players are just so nice. Like, so you don't have, you're like, oh, I'd like to dislike this guy. Yeah, but he's but such a nice guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah. He helped me carry my stuff in. If my car broke down, he'd yeah. come get me probably. Like, yeah, yeah that's how I always gauge yeah. people. So. Well, tell me a little bit about your EP that you have out, 1,500 miles. Yeah, uh, it was 750 miles one way to the studio from my, <laughs> from my front door, and I had to drive up there and drive back, and we recorded Is it. Is that at, really where you got the name? Yeah. Yeah, wow, okay. Dragon Way Studios at Paul's um, Paul's house. He has a studio. Like, he has an actual studio, not like, Some I have a computer in my house. Studio. And yeah, it's a studio, like though. Yeah, he has like... A real studio. A real, with like drum mics and, and yeah, yeah. and... Uh, isolation downstairs for Leslie's if you want to use them and wow, okay. um, it's really set up so he can go in and be creative and he's a real creative guy and I really in my mind I see that that's where his his interest kind of are going or lie like he was really excited about these waves plugins for the PRS amps yeah. and he's so into the recording and, and the mixing and stuff and his he's gotten really good at it this was I don't say it's one of the first projects he did, but he mixed three songs on the record. And uh, Pete Denenberg, who did the Spin Doctors album, who works a lot with Paul, he did a favor to me because he's friends with Paul and, and did the mix on the album. Uh, the other two songs, and uh, it was recorded up there. Uh, Jan Joukowsky of the Nighthawks played bass on it. Um, John Allen, who's with me, played drums. He's been with me for two years, and... So, and that's uh, Paul's son-in-law. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So, so just put it all together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, I know, man, it's so sporadic, and my my life is just a big, long trail of things that touch each other. Like <laughs> I lost my guitar and pawned it, and I got it back the year I won the King of the Blues, and then I met Paul two years later. And that's how life works out a lot of times if you really look at it like that. Uh, you, you get know? to live if you're long. Lucky enough, if you live yeah. long enough, and and aren't a bad guy, I think that things, things work, work out, out. to that's be right. positive. So. That's right. Be nice to people. Say please and thank you. That's right. <laughs> if you like, if you take nothing from my practice regiment, <laughs> yeah, please, please and thank, and thank you. you. Yeah. Maybe think you know. Uh, make sure you got enough room for four kids. You'll be buying a house. <laughs> you just bought a house. So tell me about the shoeless thing. It. Uh, I don't know. Earlier, if you watched me operate all my pedals, I did, and I was amazed that you had the dexterity in your big toe to turn up and down volume controls on your pedal. I, I started I barely do that with my hands with a one pedal and it had two buttons on it and one was a boost and I could kind of set the amp clean and get heavy drive or normal drive and so I tell people it's because that's the way my uh, sensei Jimmy Superfly Snuka wrestled. Oh, yeah, some wrestling stuff. There. Oh yeah, yeah. Jerry yeah, the King Lawler's my man. Oh yeah, because yeah. he's from your area, right? He's from Memphis. I used to watch him in Evansville. And when I won the Guitar Center thing, they were having Summer Slam outside of the hotel we were at. Oh. And I worked as a lighting guy for this company, Bandit Light, so I knew a lot of those guys, and I called them, and they were across the street, and I had a, a beer with them, and they like were giving me attaboys, like, man, congrats that you're not working on lights with us out here. And I was like, <laughs> this is awesome. And then I like body checked. I was walking out with a guitar case to go to the concert, you know, the deal with Joe Bonamassa to the contest, and uh, I like ran full force into Jerry Lawler, who I'm like a foot taller than, and I was like, you're the king. And he's like, thank you. Like, like I, I called my dad immediately. I said, Dad, start counting the money, man. I think we got a good shot. He's oh, yeah. like, what happened? I was like, I just ran into, you know, Jerry the King Lawler. He was shocked. Wow, that's crazy. That's funny that you're a wrestling fan, too. 
Yeah, I, man, I think it's cool. Hillbilly Jim's from my area. He's a real nice guy. He's from Bowling Green. And, you know, man, you got to be a pretty good athlete to do that. And they tour around in vans together. Oh, yeah, man. Those guys, it's a hard life. I was know? crushed when I was about eight years old. We left the Evansville Vietnam Veterans Memorial Coliseum after which watching the fabulous ones put it on the moon dogs oh. rex and spot took a beating that night <laughs> they were at thornton's getting hot dogs together and gotten in like a mazda mid-mounted oh. engine with the doghouse together oh are you serious <laughs> yeah it crushed so me. you were like wait a second what yeah, are those go- what are they do- that's they when i learned that, up? yeah, yeah that's like when that's... i learned the heel shouldn't ride in the same vehicle the, yes, the good guy. i didn't even know they were called thing. a heel yep the heels yeah, and, and baby faces yeah yeah yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, this just this just took a turn. Like it totally did. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it totally did. So I have a, <laughs> I've always been a huge wrestling fan. I think you always go back to what you liked as a kid. You know what I mean? So yeah. as a kid, you know there there wasn't. I, mean, I was in a guitar. You know, obviously, and uh, wrestling was on TV Saturday mornings. Oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You were you know you always wanted to make sure that you saw that and you were into that. And uh, I mean, there it wasn't. It's not like today where there's the internet and phones and all that. You know. Uh, so those were the couple pastimes that were like a check out of reality. Our movies were big. Remember, like we had Crossroads when we were young. Oh, yeah. The guitar movie oh, yeah. Crossroads. Not the Britney and, Spears yeah, not movie. the one I check every time on <laughs> yeah. info. That the Blues Brothers came out in eighty. I can't stress. I was never a big fan of that. I never I, really when I was a kid, that. man, I've done every one of those gigs now in my life. They self fulfilling prophecy. But <laughs> um, when I watched that movie, man, I knew as a kid, like I'm going to do that. Yeah, yeah. I went to ride in a car that looked, and I did. We, me and my buddies, rode all the way to Yuma, Arizona, in a like unmarked cop car. That's my buddy's car. I guess it got it at a police auction up here, <laughs> and then got pulled over uh, by the border patrol. That was fun. They're very nice guys, though. I can't say enough things about nice things about the Arizona border patrol. Thank you, thank you for, <laughs> for letting me be here. Uh, yeah, letting me be here today. <laughs> so, <laughs> tell me a little bit about some of your personal gear. Uh, I know that I love guitars. I love acquiring guitars. I love acquiring pedals, amps, gear. My house looks like an extension of this music store, which is crazy because I'm around it all day. Tell, tell me, how many guitars do you have? I don't really have a count. Um, I have a, like I said, I want some stuff from Gibson. I've got five or six products that are either Gibson or Epiphone, a couple okay. of Les Pauls. Uh, I have a 52 Tele. Um, that was my uncle's, the okay. guy that my uncle Duke taught me how to play guitar. Um, sometimes I bring that out and play it. It needs to set up and stuff, but it's just one like of a things. real fifty-two telly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, well, it's got a it's got a different year neck on it because the neck was, and I didn't. And my uncle's hands had worn every groove in that, and he's very significant to me. So I didn't want to touch Replace it. Replace that sure. So I have it, and I bought like a um, it's a neck, but the heel had to be fitted to that guitar because they were different. I okay. know they're supposed to be the same, but they didn't fit, and they shimmed it. Um, and it, but every dent on that neck I put on, and that neck's been on since the nineties. Okay. And it is, you know, you put some and, miles on that. I was looking at the neck. Of yeah, your that's my CE. ninety ninety seven C. That's my main guitar, and I lost it for a couple of years, and I replaced it with a blue CE. Different pickups. They had Dragon Twos then. Yep. Um, but I'm a PRS guy, and I have a five nine four. Um, okay. But that neck profile is not what I learned on, and so it's a little hard to change over yeah, to yeah it's a little I, I find it difficult to make the switch yeah i uh, same way with gear like i i i want to mention is it cool that the keely pedals that sure, i use man. i um i love that stuff but for years i i only used that one blue pedal you know that full drive thing forever and i just wanted a different sound and it just we ran into each other and it was the right thing right time and i have like a suite of of pedals and they all sound good and it's like finding how do I use them now in the context of what I do? Right, and the like, right combination. Yeah, yeah. It's, some of the delays and reverbs, though, man, it's just like, it's like duck to water. It's like, yeah, that's I like that. Yeah. Um, the high gain stuff, never have used a lot. So um, the DM drive is, is right up my alley. The L Ray, man, I can't lie, that's a lot of pedal in that little box. I got to <laughs> I gotta use it sparingly, so I don't use the uh, – the drive to its full potential, but I use uh, those pedals and my amplifiers. I use eminent speakers every time I can. Okay. I love the Cannabis Rex. I, it's made out of hemp. There's something about a natural material to me moving air, like cotton. If you put a cotton shirt on, that's a natural material. It moves air. It feels 
sure. So sound the waves breeze. are going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so like just it stands to reason that a natural material and is going to move air and, and let air escape back too instead of all out. I usually play with an open back cabinet. I like okay. that. Even outside, if I'm, I'd get a 410, 412 with a little open back. Um, that's what I prefer. I, I tend, tend to find that closed back cabinets give me a little bass. And uh, that's not really for me. Yeah, and low, not, in, low yeah. end resonance. Yeah, I, I sing. That's another thing I didn't mention. I sing and play. And so if there's a note that I'm hearing that's out of tune or dissonant or, man, it's it, I'll go right to that note. And even though I can hear this guitar note or, you know, even feel it yeah. resonate, that's one thing, you know, I like about just hollow body right here <laughs> feeling against your chest you know it's like i can kind of sing to that pitch or know where you're going if it's, yeah sometimes there's just so much noise or playing in a room with a lot of uh you know transients and sounds bouncing off and back that um they can color what you hear and you know on a gig sometimes it doesn't sound that great and you're playing just imagine trying to sing to that to pitch yeah. and it sounds out of tune because of the position of your amp and the monitor and, and maybe the mains and you're and the singer man and you're naked you you can blame an out of tune guitar or whatever you can't blame bad singing on nothing but singer and yeah. I, I'm aware I've seen some videos <laughs> you know like rough nights and stuff and they always seem to get you at the roughest point too like yeah of course when it's time to change yeah. it's time you know so like <laughs> Peter Brady is it Peter that toys crack I don't know I was too busy watching wrestling I never watched much Brady Bunch. they were on reruns on TBS <laughs> uh, so. As a musician, we've all had these kind of moments on stage where you have like a catastrophic gear malfunction or, or some things go wrong. Do you have any standout stories that uh, our listeners might uh, get a kick out of? I, you know, I've at the experience, the last one I did, like an amp caught fire. Not like start oh, smoking, it, it caught fire. And right after we played a song, you know, it's like, yeah. Like, I'm yeah, shredding yeah. so much yeah, that this amp couldn't even just take got, it. It caught It has fire. nothing to do with generator power or, you know, <laughs> this. or It's all me. Uh, doesn't have nothing to do with I plugged in the wrong speaker load. <laughs> yeah, whoops, whoops. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, yeah, you know, I, I have. I've dropped. Again, man, I growing up, I didn't like singing a whole lot. I always thought I was going to get beat up for singing. It wasn't. A very masculine thing to do in my area, saying yeah, you know, and, um, yeah. it wasn't very friendly to the arts. And now it's a lot different. But when I was a little kid, or that's the way I perceived things. Um, and so I didn't um, like singing. And then when I started singing, that would always be the failure. Would be something with a monitor, a mic, I sing out a key. Um, I've had amps blow up, the strings break. One thing about a PRS guitar on mine, I can. It has a tremolo, but it's blocked. I can put a string on while I'm playing it and singing. I've done it a hundred times. Yeah, and the rest of the guitar doesn't go out of tune. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's I'll, always a big. Thing. If I break a string and it's in a different key, I'll be like, "Hey, let's play a song in E or A, yeah, or D, yeah, uh, even G, you know, because I can fret that while I'm tuning the key with my finger." Wow. Okay. Wow. You're pretty up. experienced at this. Then. No, okay. no. I mean, I'll, I won't stop the show or nothing. I'll put the string through. While I'm talking. Leave it hanging. And Just keep all right, going. we're gonna play this Muddy Waters tune. This things I used to do in E, and then won't play the E string. Um, you know, for the um, the, until I get to the solo because I can wind it. Yeah, like it, like it's part of the solo. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, is there any words of inspiration or advice or anything? Keep you your chops up, man. With? You never know. Uh, That's right. <laughs> I, you know, like I said, I'm 41 in the last couple years. Like the last two years since 2016, um, I got to do some cool stuff before and met some cool people, but um the speed and um, the pace at which things are happening now have greatly increased. Yeah. Um, and Paul's been um, the biggest supporter I've had, uh, hands down. Um, you know, like, I've since then I've been to a clinic with Brent Mason, Amel, um, uh, you know, my name is on a poster with David Grissom, who's, like my hero like yeah. i remember sitting again at starwood in the grass in nashville watching him and bb play together and i was like man one day one day it didn't happen at you know at the same time but i got to meet and bb you know gave me an attaboy and we did a show together and and then the, and oh, wow. last year i met or the year before david and i was like man i'm sorry i've been butchering good day for the blues <laughs> for the last 15 years <laughs> oh thanks man yeah they couldn't be nicer guys either um we did the dallas thing and 
some of those guys are really rock stars. You know, you you're like, oh wow, that's what one of those looks like. Yeah. You know, the other of us are just guitar players and happy to be doing it. But yeah, I'm pretty lucky guy, man. Well, um, we want to take the time to, to thank you for coming out and, uh, and visiting our store twice and, and taking the time to do this interview with me. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys play tonight and then again this weekend at Experience. Uh, so thank you very much. Oh, thank you, man. Have a good day and uh, keep picking and a grinning. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, <laughs> my